Welcome to the Interchange Podcast, a podcast for you, youth and young adults. The road of life has many ups and downs, twists and turns, and our goal here is to help you navigate these roads and to fulfill your destiny and to be empowered by God. Stay tuned. New episode coming up right now. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning into this episode of the Interchange Podcast. We have a special one for you today. It is all the way from Cuba. We were in Camagüey, Cuba for a special missions trip this past week, and we had such an amazing conversation around the dinner table and around uh, the breakfast table, and I wanted to record one of uh, the meetings that we had because a lot of great truths were spoken, and I pray that you listen to this and God will speak to you as well. Here you go. Here it comes. So let's talk about David from beginning to end, because I think David's story is so like a Christian's walk. We, we see a kid who is more than likely born out of an illegitimate relationship, because he says it in Psalms, he says, out of my mom's sin, I was conceived. So it's either Jesse's wife cheated on him, because there's no, there's no reference to David's mother in the Bible only in that frame right there so it's either Jesse he's an illegitimate son of Jesse or Jesse's wife had an illegitimate son so we don't know who his mom is but he says I wasn't conceived so when the prophet comes and he says hey Jesse bring me all your sons he brings all the ones that are in the house wow. not the no one the one that no one wants out in the field I didn't even think about that I didn't even know that yeah Here, here's, a, here's another thing you have to understand when people tell me to bring my kids, I bring all of them mm-hmm. because they're my kids. Mm-hmm. So I don't think Jesse, I don't, I'm not a theologian, but I really believe that David was conceived out of sin. He wasn't, where, he didn't belong. So what they did was they sent them out into the field. Shepherds weren't really respected people. They were just people who just wandered the wilderness feeding their sheep. They were nomads. They had no purpose, uh, only just to guide the sheep and protect the sheep. So David had to learn the pastor. He had to learn the lead. You want to learn how to be a good leader? Get around sheep. Because sheep have vision problems. They call deep things shallow and shallow things deep. So David is out there where I really believe he wrote, wrote the majority of the Psalms. I believe he wrote majority of the music that we read in the book of Psalms in the field. He comes through an experience where he has to battle and fight. So while he's out in the field, he's learning to pastor, to lead. He's learning to fight because he fights lions and bears. And he's learning to worship. So that when he gets finally in that position, he understands the value of leadership, the value of the presence and worship of God. And the value of fighting for what's right. He goes, gets anointed in front of his brothers, and he gets sent back to the field. He doesn't become king right away. People get that like misconception where they think David becomes king right away. No, he goes through a process. The story then switches to where his father calls him and says, Hey, go bring food to your brothers. So, which probably half-brothers. 
So they send him to go give the food to the very people who put him away and did not receive him. There's a lesson in serving those, and David was learning this, serving those who do not like you and who do want, not want to be near you. But in your ability to serve them, in your ability to go and do what your father has asked you to do, God will open up doors for you and God will allow you to step into destiny moments so that you can fulfill what he's calling you to fulfill. So what happens when David goes and brings his brother the cheese and the bread? Basically, he was the pizza delivery boy, if you think about it. He's delivering pizza and uh, cheese and bread, pizza. What happens when he delivers the bread? Who does he hear? He hears Goliath talking smack to the Israelites. And David is like, who is this guy talking to the Israelites like this? Who, 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 who is this guy? Who's man's? Who's man's is this? <laughs> you know? So then he, Goliath says, send me your best challenger. Now, one of David's brothers stepped up. And if you read the names of the brothers, the names that were given to them, you will see that their names meant a lot of different things. God is with me, strong and mighty. Like they had all these names. See, and, and I, I taught this. I don't care what the world has labeled you as. God will use the person you least likely to expect. Mm -hmm. Just because you have a prominent name doesn't mean anything. Just because my last name is Alvarez doesn't mean anything. Mm -hmm. I have to walk out my own journey. Mm -hmm. And David had to. So David's like, what? Now, one person of Israel stepped up. King Saul was hiding in his tent. He didn't want to fight Goliath. So David, a 15-year-old boy, 16-year-old boy. We don't know the time frame from when he was anointed till he faced Goliath. Some people think it's the next day, but we don't know. You, you can speculate. But let's just say it's two years. 17-year-old boy goes, and here's this guy talking bad about Israel. And he steps up. He says, I'll fight him. Goes to Saul. Saul says, hey, why don't you put on my armor? You go fight him the way I would fight him. And what, what about the armor? It didn't fit. Mm -hmm. The armor didn't fit. Mm -hmm. It wasn't designed for him to wear. God spoke to me a long time ago, and people preach about this all the time. Some of the armor that we wear... Oh, you said this. I thought yeah. this was so good. ...is not our armor to wear. It's really good. That is really good. Even though I was anointed king, mm -hmm. that's the kingly armor. But that's not my armor. In those years of him being in the wilderness, training and raising these sheep, because we don't know how long he was a shepherd boy for. He could have started at eight. He could have started at 13 when you're considered a man in the Jewish you know, faith. But in that time period, his armor was a sling and stone. So he tried on the armor and said, this ain't going to work. So where did he go? He went to the a brook or a river. Anyway, he went to moving water which is representative of so much in the Bible. Mm -hmm. And he grabbed five smooth stones. Five. Not six, not seven, but five. There's a message in there in itself. Tonight? No, maybe. <laughs> well, no. you know it's the five-year anniversary. It's the fifth-year anniversary oh, of yeah. uh, Mordo's Church. It's good. It's really good. That just excited me. 
He grabs five. They had to be smooth. They couldn't be rough around the edges because mm -hmm. if they were rough around the edges, it would mess up the trajectory of the rock. David goes, mm -hmm. in front of Goliath. Goliath's like, you send me a kid? Like, are you kidding me? And David goes, what, is, what does David say? I'm gonna pull it up. I'm gonna pull it up. Hold on a second. Uh, where's my Bible? I'm gonna pull it up. I'm still stuck on the five stones and they're doing their fifth year. Yeah? smoothed out. Um, hold on. Goliath. I'm pulling this up, everybody. I'm pulling this up. Let me get to that part. So David Goliath, blah, blah, blah. Now the Philistines gathered together in battle. Um, now David was son of Ephraim of Judah. He was, from, he was from the house of Judah, which means, what does Judah mean? Praise. Mm -hmm. David was from the house of praise. Um, okay, so let me let me get back to this part. So we'll jump back to now. Eliab, the oldest brother, heard when he spoke to men. Eliab's anger was aroused against David because David comes on the scene saying, "What shall be done for this man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel?" David, as a seventeen-year-old boy, more or less, is standing up for an entire nation. Name, name one 17-year-old in America that's standing up for an entire nation. Fighting for what's right. No, we're just too busy trying to build our Instagram followers. But I, I digress. And then he calls him out for who he is. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Who is this fleshly man that he shall defy the armies of the living God? This is a 17-year-old boy saying this. And then the people answered him saying, So shall it be done for the man who killed him. Now his oldest brother, who was in, in line to be the, you know, the, the king, right? Because he went to the house. He's, he, the one who was jealous and upset with him and says, He gets his anger was aroused against David. And he said, Why did you even come here? There will be those in your life... Mm -hmm. Who will not understand in the middle of the battle in the middle of a battle in the middle of a giant speaking will turn to criticize mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. check this out why did you come down here and why have you left the few sheep in the wilderness like why yo sheep boy go back to your sheep right. i know your pride and your insolence in your heart for you have come to see the battle so he said, you're being prideful. You just want to come see a battle. You just want to make yourself prideful because you're, you're the next king of Israel. They all knew. They all knew. Mm -hmm. And David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? And he turned to another, not to his brother. He turned to somebody else and said the same thing. And those people answered him as the first one did. So everybody's like, kid, what the heck are you doing here? Mm-hmm. Now, when the words which David spoke were heard, not everybody's going to be listening, but there are a few people who will hear. Heard the word, right? They reported them to Saul, and Saul sent for them. I could only imagine how this conversation went, because I don't think at this time Saul knew that David was the anointed next king. Mm -hmm. The anointing, the calling of God, 
will open up doors for you that you don't try to open yourself. David didn't parade around saying, oh, I'm the next king of Israel, look at me. No, he didn't. He just followed God and stood up for the things of God. Right? So David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail him because your servant will go and fight the Philistine. Relax, king. Don't anybody get upset. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go fight him. David knew that this was his moment of destiny. And here's the problem. So many people miss the moments of destiny because they are wrapped up in pride. They are wrapped up in things that have nothing to do with their destiny. And they are wrapped up with titles. Mm -hmm. David was not wrapped up in a title. He knew God called him to do something great and he was going to walk into his destiny moment. And Saul said to David, you're not able to go against the Philistine and fight with him because you're a young kid. And he's a man who has learned how to fight from his youth. But David said to Saul, you're... David, David's anointed king. He's still calling himself. He still honors the man ahead of him, right? He says, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And then when the lion and bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, it's not like a lion came to, like he says it, the lion came and took the lamb. David went after that lamb that was taken by the lion and he killed the lion and he mm -hmm. killed the bear. Mm -hmm. I went after it and I struck it and I delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose up against me, I caught it by its beard. He grabbed the lion by its mane, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both a lion and a bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be just like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David then said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. This is a 17-year-old person talking to the king of Israel. Mm -hmm. Talking to the king of Israel. But David said to Saul, Your sir, uh, then Saul said to David, go, let the Lord be with you. There are a lot of people who will talk it, but very few that will back it up. But when you sit under a leader and someone who knows and hears destiny and hears purpose come out of somebody's mouth, that's when you get the stamp of approval from a leader. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. when you talk like you know it and you got it and they're able to discern it, go. Mm -hmm. Right. Your job as a leader and your job as because you guys are going to be future leaders. Mm -hmm. And like I said the other night is to train up the next generation and give them the tools to be successful. Mm -hmm. Not give them your tools, give them what they need at their disposal. Mm -hmm. right. I think Saul tried to put the armor on David because Saul wanted a little of the glory. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like he's wearing my armor, like look at what he did. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's, that's my guy, he's wearing my armor. Mm -hmm. He won because of me. And David was like, no, nah, I'm gonna do this my way. But it's interesting to see that he said he struck the lion and bear. Like he was in close proximity to strike them. So I believe, certain people believe, I believe he was using his sling. And then we get to the point where David goes and faces Goliath, right? He gets five sweet stones. He hits Goliath in the head and knocks him down. If I'm reading correctly, and I'm not a theologian, I don't 
claim to be one because that's that's a lot of thinking and that's a lot of studying. I just like to read the word and understand what the word says. I believe David knocked out Goliath, hit him in the head, knocked him out. I, I don't believe that killed him because he talked about it. He struck the lion and then pried it from its mouth and then he killed him. So David gets here, he hits Goliath. And what does the next thing he do after Goliath falls? With what? His own sword, uh, Goliath's sword. David cuts the head off of his enemy, his greatest adversary he has faced so far, mm -hmm. with the same thing he used to kill so many Israelites. God will use... God will use the very thing that has taken so many other people out for you to take out the enemy with them. And that's your testimony. That's your testimony. That's your testimony. Great. David kills Goliath, right? Then David returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, right? And Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. And Saul said, Who, son, are you, young man? Who? He didn't even ask him that in the beginning. Whose son are you? And later on, we see Ab we see Abner later on in the book of Samuel. Oh yeah, yeah, that's who you're talking about. Wow, that's so David, crazy. David says he does. He goes, "I'm the son of your servant Jesse, the Bethlehemite." <laughs> now, when David had done, been done speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. When you speak with authority and you speak and you do what God has called you to do, it will naturally, listen to me, it will naturally draw you to people. And the Bible talks about it. It says Jonathan's soul was knitted to David. That's good. That's really good. He's like, this is someone who I want to be with and I want to be around because my soul is knitted with it. See, there are healthy soul ties and there are unhealthy soul ties. But purpose and destiny, spoken, lived, and acted out upon, I've learned in my life, will naturally attract people to you. It will repel people. Yeah, absolutely. And it will attract people. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Whoever you're supposed to walk with. What happened? Who, like, who you're supposed to walk with. You know? The... the Look, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Jonathan loved him. And if you're listening to the podcast, we're having breakfast here in Kamaway, Cuba, and they're coming taking our food. So this is like a real, raw, organic podcast. David made covenant. I mean, Jonathan made it, and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan... This is so powerful. Jonathan took off the robe that he was wearing and gave it to David with his armor, even to his sword and his own belt. The son, the rightful heir to the throne of Israel, takes off what he was given as the rightful heir and throne of Israel and given to David because leadership recognizes leadership. He's like, well, this guy's got it. He's the next in line. And I'm okay with that. That's the problem. 
there's so many people that are so su stuck in their titles, they don't want to give up their thing to the next person. And you have to be okay with that. Mm -hmm. You have to be okay with that. Okay. You have to be able to recognize it. And I would dare to say too many pastors and too many leaders have rendered themselves useless because they have refused to recognize the next generation of leaders. Oh, they're not ready yet. They don't look like a leader. They don't dress like a leader. They don't talk. That will come. But my walk isn't your walk. My walk is not your walk. My walk is my walk. And I have to be obedient to what God has called me to do. And David was obedient. He was obedient. He was doing what he was told to do. Check this out. So this is right after. So Saul probably understood, whoa, my son, my son recognizes it. There might be some threat to my comfortability as king. Jonathan, so David went out, wherever Saul sent him, and did, look at this, and he behaved wisely. There are many people who've never reached their destiny moments because even though they're called by God, they never behave wisely. They act like idiots, and they do things, and they take liberties that aren't their own. They let it go to their head. And Saul sent him over and over to war. And he began to be accepted in the sight of all people. And in all the, sights, in all the sight of Saul's servants. I personally believe the reason Saul sent him out was why? He sent him out to war. Why? He sent the 17-year-old kid out, of, out to war. I think for two I'm going to tell you my two reasons. I want to hear your reasons why you think. To get rid of him or get him killed? Why else do you think? You could agree with her. This is think. why I think the Lion King was so significant. <laughs> I literally said the Lion King is so, is so oh, many. Yeah, There's a good Bible in there when yeah. I watched it. Yeah. I feel like <clears throat> he was hoping that the anointing would be wrong. Mm -hmm. He was hoping that David would fail. Would fail. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's good too. That's good. Many times when the enemy and your people will send you out to make sure you fail, God will make sure you succeed. And you're going to gain favor with the same people who sit under the people who sent you out to fail. And I'm living proof of that. Now it happened when they were coming home, David was turning from the slaughter of the Philistine. That the women... God bless you. David was a ladies man. Because the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines and with joy and musical interesting. But here's... They came out to cheer. This is so amazing. It's so amazing. They came out to meet King Saul with tambourines, joy, musical instruments. So the women sang and danced. Saul has killed thousands, but David had ten thousands. Throwing shade on Saul. It was so good. <laughs> Throwing shade on Saul. Like, yeah, we're happy for Saul, but David, and they that guy, they recognized him. People recognize greatness. You will be attracted to greatness. 
That's why Jonathan was attracted to David and his soul met with him. There's so many people, so many people that follow people who aren't great because they're just charismatic. And I'm not talking about like Christian charismatic. They just have charisma. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> but guess what? Charisma can only take you so far. I want the anointing. Mm -hmm. David was anointed. And then Saul got very angry and displeased with him and said, they have ascribed to David's ten thousands and to me the only thousands. Now what can he have but the kingdom? So David, I, I so Saul, I, David from that day forward. From that moment, he's like, this guy's a threat to me. Yeah. yeah. And then we see David's life change. But even in that moment, and that Saul, Saul was not a dummy. And they came the next day to express, like, he, immediately. I love the Bible, because the Bible interprets the Bible. So he eyed David, so he got mad at David from that day forward. And it happened on the next day. A distressing spirit from God came upon Saul. And he prophesied in the house. Right? So David went and played music with his hand as he did other times. So before, even before this, he was playing the harp for Saul mm -hmm. and serving the man that he knew he would eventually take over. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But there was a spear in Saul's hand and Saul casted the spear at David. And he said, for I will pin David to a wall. Mm -hmm. But David escaped his presence twice. true man of God a true leader will be willing to serve the person who they have an authority over them even if that same person has a propensity to throw a spear at you not once but twice David gave him back his spear the first time he threw it at him and this story also shows that when the distressing spirit came upon him the only thing that brought, brought him at ease was what? David's heart David's heart David's worship. That is an essential part to being free from distressing spirits. But look, look. Now Saul was afraid of David because he knew the Lord was with him. But he had left Saul. Saul screwed up and David left. Therefore Saul removed him from his presence and made him captive over a thousand. So he said, you know what? I'm going to make you captain over a thousand people. I'm going to send you out. And David, and again it says, David behaved wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. Therefore, when Saul, that Saul saw that David behaved wisely, again, he was afraid of him even more. But all of Israel and Judah loved him, because he went out and came before them. Saul stayed in the palace. David was with the people. There's so many people who want to stay in the palace and not be with the people. Mm -hmm. Very true. Jesus left his palace to come be with the people. That's good. Jesus left his palace to come be with the people. And that goes back to what I preached a while back. Unity through separation. You will never accomplish anything great in the things of God unless you separate from where you know and your hometown for a season why this is why 
every great man and woman of God in the Bible who've ever accomplished anything left their family because next to the voice of God, your family and the people that love you have the biggest influence on your life. Many times people will listen to the voice of their parents even though it's not God advice and it's not what God has told you because you want to honor and love your parents. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You'll miss out on destiny, destiny moments when God is telling you to go. Very good. And you will stay because mm -hmm. the voice of your family. That's why Abraham had to leave his family. Yeah, no, I, and there's someone here in Cuba. No, say it. Yeah. You don't have to say his name, but... Yeah. Yeah. No, there's someone here in... Yeah. You have to leave the vo voice of your family. Yeah, I mean, but, even me. I don't want to know But, and that's a very... For... That goes for everybody? Yeah, oh, I think it's an everybody thing. When you want to honor your parents, you just said that's a perfect... You don't want to upset You don't... You, know, you want to be loyal. You don't have to, like, listen to everything that your parents say to honor them, though. But... Like, there's a respect. <clears throat> but I get... In your in your justification of it, it's out of like in your mind you're honoring or yeah you know being approved by. That's the difference. That is the difference. You honor them by the life you live. This is what I've learned in my journey in my walk with God. I honor my parents by the life I live. I don't bring reproach to the gospel. I don't bring reproach to Jesus. I'm here to advance the kingdom of heaven. Mm -hmm. If people have an issue with that, that's between them and God. Because mm -hmm. I'm doing what God has called me to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. David stepped into his destiny because he was doing what God told him to do. He was being obedient. Mm -hmm. His father didn't say, go fight Goliath. No, he said, go bring bread and cheese to your brothers. In the simple things that God speaks to you and even our parents say to us to do, God can use that to get us to our moment of destiny. What if David said, no, I'm not going to go bring cheese? We would never read about the shepherd boy. Mm -hmm. David had to leave the field and leave his pots and go to where there was fighting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's almost like I'm on the way here when we're talking about um, how, like, there's so many of the leaders in the Bible, they had to isolate, and that was when they got the most revelation of Jesus, Moses, you know, like. Yeah. In separation, solitude. Where did Moses find the burning bush? Or where the did desert. the burning bush find Moses? The desert. Yeah, but the Bible says it wasn't the desert. It was the backside of the desert. Yeah. It wasn't even, it was like the backside. It was like out there. Mm -hmm. And he comes upon a flaming bush. And there his destiny. He had destiny moments before that, but he ran from him. There was something inside him when he saw that Israelite being beaten by the Egyptian, and he and he acted. Mm -hmm. And that that's Moses's Moses's impulse and his ability. I would say frustrate. Like I said, frustration is one of the major keys to downfall of Christians mm -hmm. because we act out of frustration. Mm -hmm. But that caused him not to enter the promised land because he struck the rock when God said, "Speak to it." He would listen to people talk. He said, oh, okay. oh, uh -huh. He struck the rock. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. You still have the authority and power to do what God's called you to do, mm -hmm. but you're using it out of your own strength, mm -hmm. and it will cost you. Mm -hmm. yeah. He could not enter into the promised land yeah. because he was disobedient and he was frustrated. That's good. I think, especially today, 
uh, frustration really comes from, you know, I guess the, the, the term is like unbiblical expectations. Yeah. For, for preach miracle, miracle, today, it's coming, it's coming, so that when it doesn't come, 20 years later, we, I don't want to say backslide, but we're like, now we're frustrated. Yeah. Where yeah. is that? Yeah. So we have all these expectations because of what we're taught. We come into the body, like, in it, we come in like raw. We come in like, like a sponge. So we hear like all this stuff is going to happen when it's work on our own, on our own end. And then we're just a whole bunch of waiting around, frustrated believers. Yeah. Who don't represent when it's not that. Just David went out and did the work. Yeah. But, you know, we're told. But even after he, he, he killed Goliath, David still had to go through a season of like 14, 15 years before he was actually king of Israel. But in the meantime, but he was serving and working, I mean, you know what I mean? In the meantime, this is the craziest thing. I've been teaching this with the kids. He went through it. They stole his wife from him. People mm -hmm. betrayed him. Saul was trying to kill him. He had an opportunity to kill Saul, but he didn't. He was obedient. Mm -hmm. But it got to the point when the, one of the final captains in the house of Saul, Abner, who we just read about, said, I recognize the authority of David and who God has called him to be. Now it's his time. And David stepped into his destiny moment. And still after that, David screwed up. He, because he got impatient. We know that story. Mm -hmm. But the key is to be faithful in the period of waiting. Because some people get prophetic words. And, you know, we talk about, like you said, we talk about healing. And oh, all this. That. And if it doesn't come, we get frustrated and mad at God. But you have to be faithful. Even though it might have not come right that moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How many times my dad laid hands on me for me to come out of the wheelchair? Before I actually came out of the wheelchair? Mm-hmm. And finally, the point where I came out of the wheelchair is when I wanted it. Because oh, sometimes people will pray for you and pray over you that they want something for you absolutely. that you're not ready for yet. Absolutely. How many times you, like, you know, no judgment, but you just see the same person going up for an altar call for the same thing. Yep. And it's like, but is it because, like, the pastor wants it for you? Or is your, do you believe in your own mind? You know what I mean? Yeah. I definitely believe a lot of times, like, a leader wants it more for you than... You do. Yeah. Of course the things are going to come. You don't even like, you know, want you're not to even believe it yourself. You're not you're, prepared for it. You're not prepared for it. Right. And totally. God's not going to give you anything he can't, you can't handle. Yeah. Good or bad. Mm -hmm. you know, there's a lesson in it. You maybe, he was greeting patience in you. Or you said, until your mind was renewed. Your mind was set. Until, until mm -hmm. I said, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Mm -hmm. I stood up. <clears throat> and that caused a chain of reaction. Mm -hmm. that, and you know what? I'm so grateful. I serve a God that is... The God of the second, third, fourth, fifth chance. The God that is continually moving and speaking. And the God that will take our roads, no matter which road we take, Isabella, that it will still lead them back to him. In some way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. 